broadcasting from the Any Hour Services podcast studios. I'm your host, Mike Wilson. And on this episode of In the House, we're going to be talking about getting your furnace ready for winter. Let's go. In the House is a podcast about the major systems in the house, electrical, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. Each week, I'm joined by a panel of experts. We pick a topic and we discuss it in depth. It's meant to be informative and hopefully bring you some value. I've got Kevin and Richard with me today. They're managers over the HVAC service and install departments at Any Hour Services. Um, what do you guys have for breakfast? I had pancakes and sausage and chocolate milk. Pancakes, sausage, chocolate milk. You win. Well, it wasn't a who had the best breakfast. It no. was, did you not have it breakfast? Was, no, I had a protein shake. Oh, he R- does win. Richard, <laughs> Richard wins. <laughs> but but like, uh, did you make it? Did you have? Dwayne made it. Bruce. Oh, Drew. that's right. They were doing the trucks out yeah, there this morning. Yeah, doing trucks again. So I was out with the pressure washer. And then how, how good a job did they do? The washing? No, the breakfast. The breakfast, oh, the breakfast was great. They did a good job. Well, how come you didn't go get that breakfast? Because you chose not to eat it's, it? It's not our turn. Oh. He had a protein shake. I had a protein shake. He was full. So do you, is that your default breakfast? Are you like trying to, do you not like to eat breakfast? No, I love breakfast. Do I look like I don't eat breakfast? I'm just saying. You look like you have a protein shake instead of chocolate milk to go with your <laughs> breakfast. I uh, I definitely like, there's these uh, shakes my wife gets me. They're they're pretty good. They're good. Yeah. So you if like I, having the protein shake. Yeah. At five o'clock in the morning, it's good rather than trying to, trying to work something breakfast. else out. Gotcha. Are you guys a breakfast every morning? Like no. breakfast is the most important meal? I would like to be. I love breakfast, but I just don't. You don't. How come? Yeah. A lot of times in the morning, I'm just not hungry for the, when I get up and get going. Like the time that you get up. You yeah. And then it's like, yet. okay, now I'm hungry. But then I'm at work. So I was like, yeah, okay. Gotcha. Maybe grab a breakfast sandwich or something. Hmm. I love breakfast. Do you, ever, do you ever have breakfast for dinner? Uh-huh. I love that. That's the best. Yeah. Sometimes my kids will request it. Anyway, just wondering. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What'd you have for breakfast, Mike? <laughs> Chick-fil-A. I, that is Ooh, a really good, a guess. good guess. I know. That is what I have a lot of times. But this morning I actually went to Wendy's because uh-huh. they have their breakfast going on. I've tried a couple of things there, but I haven't really... I never really come away super satisfied. I do think it's interesting, though, that instead of hash browns, they give you those seasoned wedge fries. Mm-hmm. And when Wendy started doing breakfast with those seasoned wedge fries, it's about the time that KFC did away with their wedge, their potato wedges. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm wondering if there's this balance in the universe that we don't know about. There can only be so many potato wedges in existence. Why did KFC get rid of their wedge fries? I don't know, but that was like one of the best things. I don't know. Did, do we, you haven't set up your Alexa yet to ask Siri or Alexa? I, I, I haven't yet, no. We need to do that. It's a shame. Do you think she would know why, though? I don't know. She would. Here's what she would say. Bloom. Here's what I found on the internet yeah, about why. Whatever. Just, she'll be like, that's a really stupid question. Thank you for wasting my time. It's true. <laughs> she would. How do you love the uh, what, it's a little chicken nugget? Um, from chicken Chick-fil-A. Minis? Yes, those are those, those are, are good. good. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I love those. Chicken biscuit with a chicken mini on the side. <laughs> uh, how about we get to the show? Sounds great. Sounds like a plan. Does sound. Like, I tried, but Austin interrupted us there. Way to go, Austin. Did you get the answer to your question? <laughs> All right. 
Now, when it comes to getting back to, uh, you know, talking about getting your furnace ready for winter, when it comes to the maintenance that we do on our furnace, there are things that we can and should be doing ourselves, but then there's some things that the professionals should do. And in this episode, I really want to focus on the things that people can do themselves. Um, but I want to take it a step further than just the basic things. So we're going to talk about basic things that you don't even have to know anything or be handy at all. And then maybe some things that they could go a little bit more in depth. So basic and advanced things that people could do to get their furnace ready. Um, now I do plan on making a YouTube video showing people all these things, the basic and the advanced. So when we're going over this, I need you guys to like bring as much value as possible. Give me some good stuff for the YouTube video. So let's start with the basic stuff. What are basic things when you're, getting your furnace ready, what should people be doing? Does he realize who he brought in today to talk I to? Don't, about I don't think he stuff? does realize Give this. Give me some value, he says. <laughs> Do you, well, no, enough said. So first thing. No, wait. Are you saying that you go overboard with the value? No. No, no. You, you, you way under deliver on the value. Pretty, pretty much what I was getting at. <laughs> so it could be said that I did know who I had in the studio, <laughs> and I had to say, bring me lots of value. That's what the outline for is, Kevin. Touche. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun. True story. So, so typically, when I'm uh, when I'm talking to people and they're looking to get their furnace up and going, there's some very simple things to go take a look at and just check. Uh, I always like to make sure that you, you know, first things first. I like to walk to the thermostat, check the thermostat, make sure that if you don't have any low bat sign on there, you don't have uh, the the program set the way that you want. Make sure that if you're actually, it's getting cool and you understand how the, the switches The temperature work. outside is getting cool. Exactly. That it's getting cool outside. Um, that you know, and I mean, a lot of people, believe it or not, these thermostats can get confusing. You know what I mean? Uh, make sure you know how to operate it. You know, if you do that before it gets super cold outside, uh, the chances of not being able to use your thermostat. And, you know, I don't know if this just happens to a lot of people, but I mean, we deal with a lot of people who they just get confused, you know, they forget the step or maybe it was explained one time, they lost the manual and it give you a chance to be able to take a look online, look things up, ask your neighbor, call, call a company, whatever it is, you know, make sure you know how to work it. So in general, what should they be doing to their thermostat? What settings should they be on? So if, when you turn on the furnace, you want it in heat, right? And then uh, you've got a fan switch typically. And depending on your house and depending on the system and everything else, um, you can have it on auto, which is going to have that fan just turning off and on when the furnace does. Um, if you want the air to be cycling, there's different ways to set that up. And if you just want to have it on, you can actually switch it from auto to on. So the fan setting more than likely is going to be the same in the summer and the winter. So if they're the t kind of person that likes the fan running all the time, the fan is probably already on, on. Mm -hmm. That's a question we get a lot. Like, what does this auto and on mean? Okay. All that is is the auto means the blower will turn on whenever it needs to heat or cool. If you switch it to on, that blower will turn be spinning and moving air regardless if the furnace's air conditioner is on. But yeah, correct. So the fan, if you you can make it so that the air is moving, but it doesn't necessarily control whether it's creating heat or not. Correct. So if you have the fan set to on and you go over to your register and it's blowing lukewarm cool air, it may be that that's what it's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. You got to go and check the thermostat setting itself. And, and we do occasionally get a call 
where people say my my blower's running and it won't stop. Yeah. And it ends up that that's all it is. Is they yeah they go to they've ch- put it in the or somebody has switched it into on. They're like, oh, it's cold. I need to turn the furnace on. Yeah, they on and they do on. it with the fan. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now you said check and see if it has a low battery signal. Is it a good idea? Like, how often should they change the batteries, regardless of whether it says low battery? Because I mean, I swear I've had a situation at my house where the batteries were low but it didn't say low battery on my thermostat and it wouldn't kick the air conditioner on. Mm-hmm. And I had, and when I changed the batteries and, and did all of that stuff, the air came back on. You know, honestly, I don't, it, it's hard to give it an exact time frame for batteries because batteries vary, thermostats vary. But you know, if you're checking to make sure, it's probably not a bad idea. And this is just a personal opinion, a bad idea to just replace them once a year. You know what I mean? Just, just as a, a peace of mind, I know that this isn't going to be my issue because I put new batteries in there. Batteries are cheap, you know. I agree. Um, okay, so you went, you checked the thermostat, you've got that done. What else do they need to do? Make sure everything's clear around the furnace. Make sure you don't have anything around it. So go to the furnace and, yeah. and just kind of look at it. Yeah, and make, make sure. sure. Make sure, you know, you didn't put something on top of the furnace or you got a bunch of things in front of it. Um, it we <laughs> we learned that mechanical rooms tend to get to be Turn storage it to a rooms. storage room yeah so paint cans anything like that gas hopefully keep everything like anything flammable out of the room but just make sure there's nothing piled up against the furnace and it gives yourself those a lot of furnaces have uh vents on there they need to breathe the air if you got a lot of blocking it can cause some issues just make sure the surrounding area is clean right go ahead i can say there, there's a lot of furnaces that share laundry rooms and it's really easy to get clothes piled up on them and i mean flammable stuff like that you just you just want to make sure that they're they have the space. Yeah, I you know, you think about we talk about how important airflow is and we've got the outside unit and we talk about keeping everything away from it. Well, your furnace also has to it doesn't cycle air the same way that the outside one is, but it's the whole job. You've got combustion air in the room and it needs to be able to breathe in order to uh, you know, convert that gas into flame and heat and have it work properly. So, make sure that things are cleared away that way. Um what what other things if they're down there looking at it make sure things aren't stored around it don't keep uh flam- keep flammables away from it things aren't piled up against it um what uh, any other things that they need to look for down it's there at the furnace it's a good time when you're getting ready to check your filter make sure your filter is up to stuff okay uh, that's new clean you know ready for some heat some air to move through it okay um and then uh you know just just give it a once over I, I think one thing you hope that your stuff's all been installed right, but how many times have you gone in and you see a flu that's going to wrong or just make sure? Yeah, make sure on the flu like that. Make sure that you'll look at it. Just make sure pipes are connected. Look and see if it looks like something's unconnected because you're in there throughout the year. Or somebody's been out there and they bump a pipe like the exhaust, like you talked about the flu, and have bumped it off and it's you know broken or it's just off. Just make sure everything looks connected. And, and you know if you've got an eighty percent furnace. Uh, metal flues coming off of it they're usually tying in you know off times close by the water heater it's not bad idea to look and glance over at your water heater flue while you're at it just to make sure that everything is is centered and you know obviously not everybody's got a trained eye but you know if things look squampus or crooked or if they're going up and then back down you know those are the things you want to look for uh, just to make sure that they're not a hazard okay um we also want to look and make sure there's no signs of water uh, or rust, you know, you have 
condensation mm-hmm. uh, with furnaces. Is that more com- Is that common with every furnace or more just high efficiency furnaces? Yeah, your high efficient furnaces will typically have, and it depends on how it's installed, but a lot of times you'll see like a three quarter or half inch PVC pipe. Again, just make sure it's not broken. It's actually going to the drain. Sometimes you'll see like water marks on the ground underneath the furnace, which again, there's a fitting and connection inside that furnace typically that that didn't wiggle loose during the summer or something like that. Make sure there's no water around. Um, you know, I've from watching our ride along series and from being in different houses, um, you know, it, the storage room sometimes gets dirty and whether you've got pets, you got dust, you got all kinds of things. I, I think it's a good idea to, uh, you know, sweep up vacuum clean around the furnace so that you're not pulling more stuff in, you know, cause it's, it is, it's, there is a vacuum effect. It's pulling the air in, uh, to, to burn and, and make the thing work. So keep that clean. Um, and then while you're, while you're there, there's a couple other things, uh, that I think are important. One, when you have a technician out, they've got a, um, what's the gas sniffer thing? What's the tool actually called? Uh, electronic leak detector. Okay. So you have people that actually have equipment that can check for gas leaks, but you know, while you're down there, stop and pay attention to that sense. Maybe get over close to the gas line and, you know, lean over and smell and see if you do smell that rotten egg, you know, gas smell. If you do, that's not normal, you know, call somebody out and they can, uh, you know, whether it's tighten connections or look and see where the gas leak is coming from. That's not a good thing. But then we talk about not keeping things or keeping things away from the furnace because it's got to pull combustion air in. Another thing that I see sometimes is in homes, in an equipment room, there'll be a big, I don't know, four, six inch, you know, metal duct pipe coming into that room, usually up in the ceiling um, to pull air in from either the attic or outside. That's the combustion air to make it so that that all of the gas appliances work, not just the furnace, like the water heater as well. And what I notice people do is in the wintertime, it's going to be bringing a draft in. And so you go into that room and you're like, ah, there's it's a cold. draft. Yeah. Where's that coming from? Like, oh, my house is less efficient. I need to like stop that. And they'll take a pillow, a blanket or something and like shove up in that combustion air and it, it can choke off the the equipment and make it not work properly. Well, it can choke it off, but it, what it also can do is depending on your water heater, it can cause it not to draft properly. And what I mean by that is all the hot exa- exhaust gases go up through the roof. But if you have a room that's not, doesn't have enough combustion air and starving, it can actually cause that draft to go negative, which means it's going to come down. So your exhaust, your water heater isn't going up out through the roof. It's come back into the house. Gotcha. So it has multiple purposes. It's for the flames to burn, but also so it can vent the gases properly as well. Yeah. So what I usually will tell people to do, especially if there is a door in that equipment room and they're filling that draft coming into the living area, instead of plugging up that pipe, put a towel down at the base of the door rather than, you know, cutting off the air supply going to it. Uh, we talked about changing the filter. Um, on that note, make sure the the filter door, if there's a filter door, make sure it's on so you don't just see the filter. So because you were talked earlier how it brings brings in stuff. So if you have other dirt and it's a laundry room or something like that, you're not sucking that lint and stuff in through there. Make sure the cover's back on the filter door. Okay. Um, what else? What are some other things that they could check? Basic things that people can look for and look at getting I, their furnace ready. I've already turned mine on to test it. So one thing I did, I just listened to it. Make sure I didn't hear any grinding, any noises, any vibrations. Just a visual 
noise, you know, as well. Kind of make sure it sounds good. A visual noise. A visual and noise. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Have it running. You know, you'll see it wobbling a lot or something like that. Just make sure, you know, bearings, there's bearings on there. If those are grinding, you'll hear them. You know, that's one of the things we talk about is one of the best things you can do is turn it on, let it run, make sure that you, you know, feel warm air coming out of the vents and, mm-hmm. and that it seems like it's working because if you wait till it gets cold and you go to turn it on and something's not working, yeah, you're kind of up a creek, right? Yeah. You're going to be calling and trying to get us out here as soon as possible. That's why I started mine already. You'll, when you do that, you'll, you'll have a smell, you know, dust or whatever collects on those heat exchangers and then it burns off. It's a little bit of a smell. Yeah. That's people. That's always like, Oh, I smell burning. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's, that's normal. If you run it for a little while and you continue to smell burning, that's, that's not necessarily a great, great sign. But, uh, speaking of that, um, you know, check and make sure that you've got a CO detector, uh, in, you know, close to the equipment. You should have one, check the batteries on it, test to make sure that it's working, whether it's got a test or a test button on it or something like that. Uh, let's see. What other, what other things? Make sure the humidifier, if you have a humidifier is ready to go. Okay. Um, so let's just walk people through that. So turning the humidifier on, cause winter is when you want to use your humidifier. So what do they do to turn the humidifier on? So most, most humidifiers, they'll be ready to go unless you've turned it off manually, but there's a damper, a little switch that closes off the air on some of them. You want to switch that to winter mode. So those are like a bypass damper. Uh, and then just make sure the water valves on for it. Okay. Do you need to, when in the air conditioning season, um, what about the humidistat? Like, cause some, some have it built into the thermostat, but some, I would say most not lower end, but if it have if a it's separate, super separate fan, humidistat. fancy, yeah. if it's, if it's installed the way the manual shows it, your humidifier won't turn on during air conditioning. It never gets the voltage from the furnace. Really? It, it has a separate kind of a relay it only turns on with the the uh, furnace how do you know if it was installed correctly call a technician give them something better than that <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to see what kind of reaction i get out of you mike okay i mean um, i'm not gonna call you every single time <laughs> like i got a question that's what the show is for <laughs> uh really that's a tough one because without tearing apart and really tracing the wires it's it's really hard you could turn the air conditioner on and mess the humidistats, you know, usually percentage, turn it up and see if it turns on. That's really the only way. Is there uh, water, like, could you turn the humidistat on during air conditioner mode and see if water is like draining into the pad? Depending on which humidifier, yes. Gotcha. If it's a bypass or bypass or fan. Yeah. If you have like a steam, it's not going to gotcha. You can wire them up. So it does work. We do get those phone calls in the summertime. Hey, I want a humidifier. No, summer's like well it kind of works against each other but well in in our next episode we're going to talk about uh you know the things that technicians the reason you would have a professional come out there so i'll save the question of you know do we check that when you come out because like that's that is something you trust that it's going to be hooked up properly but uh yeah that's really about the only thing to just uh i would suggest just turn it on damper yeah you shouldn't have to adjust the humidistat Cause once you set it to where you want it, cause he is good to know. I always thought that like when it's air conditioner season, I go down, I turn the humidistat down to zero. I turn the damper to whatever so that it's closed. And then I reverse those steps in the, in the, yeah, you shouldn't fall. have to mess with the humidistat in the, cause it won't, it shouldn't send voltage there. 
Now you know. Yeah. I mean, if, it, if it comes on, then there's something backwards. Something or something's been done. Screwy. Okay. Cool. That's good to know. Um, Check the pad as well on the humidifier. A lot of those pads, you can just there's a quick take the cover off. Make sure you don't see like calcium buildup and stuff like that on there. Pull, pull the pad out. Yeah, that and check the backside. So the backside. I was I was actually going to have that be one of the advanced steps, just because I don't know how many people know how to like take those things apart. But I mean, is that is that a basic thing you're telling people they should? Most your humidifiers they're they're made so a homeowner okay. can get in there and do that. Okay, cool. Sure. So when you're turn the humid turn the humidifier on or turn the damper and then go ahead and take the cover off uh, and look at the pad and like you said take it out, pull it out and check both sides. Mm -hmm. What are the signs that, cause the pad's supposed to be replaced every couple of years, right? Or uh, whenever it, it gets yeah, clogged up. Depends if you've got real hard water, it's going to be every year, every yeah. year. Okay. So tell, tell the people, what are the signs that they're looking for when they're looking at the humidifier pad on both sides? What is a sign that it needs to be replaced? You're looking for calcification, hard water. That's just builds up. Um, it can, plug your humidifier pad off completely. Uh, it's weird. I mean, you see it bridge the gap and actually create leaks, right? It gives the water a pathway to actually get outside and leak all over the floor when it's been left for too long. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's bad news if they get too too gummed up. That's another place you look for water spots. Like if the humidifier is on top of the furnace, look for water below it. That'll be a sign as well. So you can do that. One of the things I'll actually tell people to do also is that the drain tube coming off of the bottom of the, or at least it does on mine comes off the bottom of the humidifier. I always tell people take that off. And then cause mine, it actually goes and connects into the condensation line coming off of the, uh, off the air conditioner condensation line. And I'll, I'll blow on it just to get the gunk out of it because twice it's happened to me that that'll get plugged up and it'll just, the water will start, draining over the side and, and start leaking. And if you catch it quick enough, you know, it's not a big deal, but, um, if you don't notice that it's doing it, it can, we do get calls every year that humidifier has leaked on top of the furnace and taken out a control board mm. or a blower or a gas valve every year. We get those phone calls, those, those pads on the humidifier, they are designed to go a specific way. So if you do replace it, make sure you read the manual. It will tell you which way, if you get it upside down, it will leak water everywhere. Really? Yeah. So, um, well, some of them, they have holes in the top of it, right? That's just a bracket. Well, yeah, some humidifier. It it depends on which pad. So some just follow the manufacturer, yeah. the, the instructions that come with the pad to make sure. Yeah. So are you saying it's directional yes. as well, just like a filter? The little wire mesh has got an angle that forces the water inside, not outside. Oh, interesting. So usually that's marked by a paint mark on top. Got it. Yep. I'm thinking back to mine. Funny I have a video about how to like go through and check your humidifier and stuff that we put on YouTube because it had been probably, I don't know, with an older house, it's easy to make like a lot of videos because I haven't, I've neglected it for <laughs> a long time. Uh, and every time my wife like uh, asks me to do something, I'm like, I'll do it when I can make a video about it. So it'll be a little <laughs> while, but yeah. So the humidifier, I, I took the pad out. It actually looked okay on the front. Like it, it looked like it had been 10 years since I had looked at it, but it looked okay. But then when I pulled the pad out, the back of it looked like a, uh, you know, a cave with like the select stalactites and stuff. Cause all the calcification, the air was still blowing over it, but it just kind of kept building it out further and further. It was pretty gnarly looking. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, okay. So 
those are the basic things. Uh, if you if you do actually go through those steps and then you turn the thing on and you don't feel warm air, you can't get it to turn on, that's a good idea to call a technician at that point because somebody needs to come out and troubleshoot and figure out what is, what's going on and what needs to be taken care of because you don't want to do that in the middle of you know, the winter when it's really cold to be testing it for, or at the beginning of the winter on that first cold night. Cause if it doesn't work, good luck trying to find a company that's open 24 hours. And if it is, there's a lot of people that are going to be turning it on probably for the first time. And you may have to wait because all the, there's only so many technicians, like even for us, as large as any hour services is as large as any hour services is that, that, that's grammatically correct. Right. Sounds yeah. fantastic. Anyway, that, we can only take so many calls on those first cold nights because, you know, once you have, you know, 30, 40 technicians out in the field, that's that's how many calls you can take that night. So anyway, um, OK, so those are the basic things. Let's go a step further if somebody wants to, uh, you know, really kind of dig in and get their furnace ready. What what are some more advanced things that are good ideas to do? So it's not a bad idea. And, and I'm going to have to say. If you're gonna mess around with your furnace, please turn the switch off, Okay. right? There's a, a power switch that's on the side of the furnace. Uh, they call it the disconnect. It just looks like a light switch most of the time. Every now and then you might have like a, a cord that's on there that plugs in or whatever else, but- Or a breaker or something. Or a breaker. Shut the power off, first shut thing you need to do. Shut the power off. Typically though, you've got a switch on the side that, that will shut the power off, Yep. right? Um, at that point, you're most likely not gonna get in and touch anything that's got electricity to it. You're not going to arc anything, short anything, shock yourself, that kind of thing, right? Okay. Um, that being said, that you always, if you are going to open up the doors, you always got to be careful. Circuitry on some of these is is delicate. You know, you don't want to be monkeying around with it. Okay, that being said. Um, so uh, attempt these things at your own risk. Yes, most definitely. Um, you can open them up and just look and see if they're if it's full of dust. You got your blower cavity that can be full of dust. You got your burner chambers that can be full of dust and lint. Um, we mentioned that uh, a lot of furnaces are in conjunction in the same room as a laundry, right? I tell you, uh, dryers they put off tons of lint. You don't even realize my my furnace is in a laundry, and uh, as it's drawing the combustion air up in through, I mean I can look at it as I'm getting close to whatever time of year. And I can see how it's all just gummed up and stuck to it. And it's drawing that up inside the burners and everything else. And so if you're a little more knowledgeable, I mean, you can take the burners out very carefully, right? There is a lot of stuff. And I imagine you've probably got some stuff on YouTube, right? Shows how to do some yeah, of this. It's going to require if, some tools too. It, so it, will take, it will take a little bit. We, you know? I've, I went through this year and really like built out the air conditioner videos. I'm going into, we're going to start doing all of those videos, cleaning the, like all the things that we're about to like discuss, mm -hmm. we're going to kind of go over uh, those things. So Do you ever get done like with a video after something and get ready to start up and just wonder if it's going to turn back on now that you messed with it? Oh yeah. All, <laughs> all the time. He's got the magic of editing though. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But like if it don't turn back on, doesn't care. It doesn't matter how you edit the video. The the, the equipment stopped. <laughs> I always but, wondered that Mike's like, well, let's go ahead and see if it turns on. <laughs> well, when I, when I did the, when I replaced the contactor, uh, the contactor, I ended up having to call Kevin cause like the contactor was like different than, than what I was expecting to see. And it confused me at first, but then we got it taken care of. Uh, okay. So shut the power off, uh, when you're, when you're inside, one of the biggest things maintenance wise, 
for your system is cleaning it. And so when you take the doors off, all of that stuff inside there is going to be after the filter. So if there's dust and dirt and things in there, either your filter isn't doing a good enough job or it's pulling it in from just around it from those louvers in the door. So, you know, take a take a shop vac gently, you know, don't get all, you know, muscular with it and show how strong you are, but you want to like, you know, be uh be gentle, gentle with yeah. if you, if you see a circuit board, right? If you you know, go have a little distance. <laughs> I was you know? I was thinking honestly like with the circuit board take some compressed air and, you know, spray it to loosen any of the dust and things like yeah. that so you're not like messing with it. Uh I saw a video online tell me if this is a good idea or not, but um taking a a soft bristle paintbrush and just kind of like dusting lightly with it. Um is there any issue with that? Yeah, just make sure the only thing I would have be t- tell you to be careful really is if you're around the igniter some of those igniters are really fragile and the older they get, don't touch those. Okay. Those, those you can't. Egg Eggshells, yeah. yeah, they're. Yeah, those are careful. Not break those. Eggshells, is that a certain just, kind just, or they're just, just brittle? meaning they're brittle, yeah. Gotcha. But a paintbrush and just, I'd get a really soft one. Okay. Not like a really hard bristle one, but a really soft one. Yeah, you'd be fine. Okay. So, um, all right. So you're dusting, you're vacuuming, uh, soft bristle brush if you're going to do that, compressed air. Um, on the circuit board, I having an electrical background, I'm assuming loose connections can cause issues, you know, like just mm-hmm. lightly tug on some of those wires. If you have like a small screwdriver, make sure that the connections are tight on there. The good to do that. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm mainly like, these are the things that were running in my head as far as like, uh, you know, that I was going to do on the video. So if you're saying no, don't do that. But yeah, we, we oh. get a lot of calls like, they change the thermostat themselves and they've changed the wiring. Make sure the wiring is tight, like you said on that. I, I do always cringe just a little bit because, uh, you know, I've gone back on several furnaces where homeowners have tried to do things and they probably tried to do a little more than they should have. And, and and it can be tricky to know when your limit should be, you know, when you're, when you're not doing this all the time. And I get that. But uh, just just be careful. And if you're not sure, maybe stop. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I say in all of my videos. You know, if, if you ever feel like you've gotten in over your head or you're not comfortable doing this, if you're not comfortable, don't attempt it at all. But if you feel like you've gotten in over your head, stop and call somebody. Um, and that's why after you go through and you do all these things, the last thing I always say is like, okay, turn the thing on again. Make sure that yeah. <laughs> make sure it runs and works because mm-hmm. uh, you want to find that out in the middle of the day after you've done all that stuff rather than in the middle of the night when it gets cold. I mean, that can be simple stuff that can happen too. I mean, if you, you've turned it on at the thermostat already and everything turns on and then you go down and you're got your shot back in there and there's a chance you had a wire that was already brittle. And as you're in there moving around, bumping. it gets bumped, it breaks. And all of a sudden now it's not working. Right. I mean, there is, there is a potential for that kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's a good idea. Like, the igniter was one that I didn't, I hadn't thought of like, Oh, be careful around it. Mainly because on mine, it's like a, it's a pretty thick rod that like heats up and glows. But I know that there are some that are that, you know, it's got, it's a thin piece of metal and it like starts to glow and it's got kind of wavy. I could see how that would like get super brittle. Um, We get those calls. Oh, I tried cleaning my igniter. You don't clean those. Those get replaced. Yeah. And they might get confused because that's one of the things that I was going to talk about. You do clean, you can clean your flame sensor because it can get gummed up. So let's talk about uh, the flame sensor and what people should do with that. If you want to go ahead and take it apart and clean it by all means, I mean, it'll help it out. 
there are different techniques that people talk about. So talk to people about, or some people say, no, you should never do it this way. Some people say you can do it this way. So let's talk about the acceptable ways to clean a flame sensor. The manufacturer says replace. They don't recommend or suggest cleaning it. What we see a lot of times, people will get sandpaper and clean it, and then you're creating more grooves, and you're giving more spots for dirt to collect. You scratch the crap out of it, and you can ruin them. I mean, it might work for a little bit, but you'll be replacing it sooner. All I do is I use my pant leg and just get it cleaned, so that way I'm not scratch or anything like that. And if I am in a bind where I don't have another igniter on my truck to get someone up and heating, that'll at least get them heat for the night so I can get a part. So... Don't use sandpaper. Some people say you could use emery cloth. Emery cloth, yeah. Some people say you can use still wool. Some people say they'll just use their, like, knife blade and kind of don't use the knife blade. I wouldn't use a knife blade. Okay. So talk about emery cloth and uh, still wool. You know what the secret is in the HVAC world? Kevin, do you know the the trick what everyone uses? I hope so. You use a dollar bill is what they say. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if there's some, any truth to some it. Some of us can't afford to, to throw our money away like Richard can. So, <laughs> but I, I mean. said, that's what I said here. I, I never said I did it, Kevin. <laughs> I saw a picture on the, the internet the other day. A guy was kind of just, hey, look what I'm doing today. He had a $100 bill cleaning one. I'm like, all right, whatever. So seems, That seems extreme. Seems, seems like he was just showing he off. He was seems showing stupid. off, yeah. yeah. But that's that's the kind of a thing. That <laughs> okay, use, a, use currency. <laughs> yeah, currency. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so you're saying... Where does where do manufacturers say not to clean it? Uh, just in the manual to say re- replace it. Hmm. I'm trying to think where I've seen them. That's a good F- one. Look for that and send it to okay. me because that would be good in my video because I am going to show how to clean it because that's something that like if people are in a bind and they're like watching the the sequence go if it if it doesn't you know whatever and it's the middle of the night and they can't you know cleaning it is a good way to at least get the heat back on. We just gotta remember that has a there's a there's a lot going on with these sensors. They're just not a rod. Well, there's voltage, there's voltage and everything going to that or creating a DC voltage type thing. And so there's a porcelain on there that that can get cracked and cause some issues there. And if you're trying to clean it and you break that, you're going to make it worse. Sure. So where it could have been just replaced or be better left alone. Gotcha. Sometimes I've had customers that have tried cleaning it and then they have broken it. It's like, oh, I just thought I'd maintain it. And so I broke it. So that's where it gets into. Just be very careful with it if you're going to do it. Okay. Being careful. That's I, good. I usually see people where they've tried to clean it and they mistook the igniter for the flame sensor and then they break their igniter and then we're replacing an igniter. Got it. So in your video, we help people know how to differentiate. I will I will do that for sure. Now, is, is a good way to have them differentiate to have that first cover off, turn it on and like watch and see what things do what or... That's a <laughs> Okay, no. So that is not a well, step. Well, if you turn it on, this is the thing. You turn it on and you let it run. Well, now you're heating up the flame sensor, right? Yeah. If you're, you're going to pull it out when it's hot. Yeah, if you do that, maybe what I would recommend doing is actually turning the gas off. Okay. And that way you just see the the igniter glow. Okay. Cuz here's what can happen and this is why I'm so hesitant is they they have what's called a rollout and you can actually have flames shoot backwards yep. several feet. So, and if I don't want a homeowner to take that cover off and then try to ignite it and they have what's called a rollout because their system's dirty and orifice gets plugged, a crossover, and then they have a three foot sh- flame shooting back. They're like, well, Mike on 
the podcast said, this is a great idea. Yeah, way to go, Mike. So I would, <laughs> we'll say Kevin. Kevin said it. Dang it, I didn't say that. <laughs> I would pos- I would turn the gas off and then you could, you're fine to do it because there's no gas going to the system. Okay. Now, it's- if you have a pilot light and you're trying that, you're going to kill the pilot light. So it's kind of a tricky one there. Got it. Yeah, it's no joke. I've had, uh, I've lost eyebrows. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I've, I've had doors get flung across yep. rooms. I mean, it's, yeah, it's fun. Wow. And we had one, the lady's like, I heard this loud explosion downstairs. We go down the door panel 16 feet. Really? Clear down there. She's like, oh, it wasn't like that yesterday. I'm like, well, that's a it problem. today. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll, we'll give plenty of warnings to people uh, to be careful. Do not uh, ignite it or don't turn the thing on until, unless you turn the gas off. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that people know. And, it, and when you're listening to this, like do a little bit of research on your particular furnace, you know, what the flame sensor looks like, what the igniter looks like so that you aren't uh, making the mistake. Because if you do go down and you try and do things yourself, it's possible you could be doing more damage than, you know, than you should be. But if you're comfortable doing the things that, you know, there are things that, that, that people can try. Okay. So let me just kind of go down through the list. Well, what are some other things that people can do? Um, You talked about, pulling the the burner assembly apart and cleaning it mm-hmm. and i see our technicians do that on uh on the videos when they're going and doing their tune-ups and things talk to me about that process because i've always wondered is that something like do you have to like line them back up just right can you install them improperly like talk to me walk me through that process so that i'm you know, in the video telling people the right thing and people listening that they're, you know, being properly cautious. So it's, it's honestly, it's a good thing to go over. Um, depending on the type of burners that you've got, right? Uh, there's some where you pull it out and it, you can flip it over backwards, flip it sideways, whatever else, and then stick it back in as long as it's pointing the right direction, you're not going to mess it up. There's other ones though that have flaps that overlap, right? And if you don't get those overlapping right, then the crossover, the flame's not able to cross over and follow the gas because it ignites, ignites on one side. Yes. And then it carries across all the way to the other side. Well, if you break kind of like your, uh, your barbecue grill, yeah. like it ignites and then it whoa, 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 whoa. domino effect. Exactly. Yeah. But if it can't make that leap over, you got a couple of things that can happen. Uh, one of those is your furnace will kick on. You'll have one burner light up. And that's, it's designed as saying, Whoa, you got gas blown over here and just fire over here. And it'll actually shut itself down. Got it. Um, because if it is left to run, well, eventually that gas will make it over when it's built up. And then you're looking at some explosion type stuff. That's a good point. I've noticed that like most flame sensors are opposite of the igniter. That's and why. Yeah. That's, that's why, that's why. Mm-hmm. that makes sense. Because I mean, there's other things that can happen. You know, we are talking about lint and build up and mm-hmm. whatever else it gets up in those burners. It gets in the channels. And this is one of the reasons why it's not a bad idea to check them out and make sure that they're clean is because you get a little speck of something right in the channel where it carries over. And all of a sudden you've only got one burner that's igniting and the rest of it just is blowing gas. And it's amazing how small that little speck could be. Oh yeah. It It could be very, you look at it, it's like, oh, that looks clean, but it's. Well, you could get, you could get spiders in there building webs and like, you know, just different things happening. Is it safe to say that the higher the efficiency the more like complicated like like because i don't have a super (laughs) fancy 
furnace. So like I'm, you know, my experience, I'm obviously projecting that everyone's got these like super easy furnaces to work on, but like, uh, is it safe to say that the higher the efficiency, um, the more you've got these like intricate things that make it more efficient that you're, that you're more likely to kind of mess up if you're messing with. Yeah. They more efficient. Um, they, they seal things off here and they, they put this to sense that there and yeah, there's a lot more to them. You know, just just your 90 plus percenters, typically they're doing a sealed combustion chamber. And just, you might have a similar type burner, but just to get into it, to do anything with it, it's a lot more in-depth process, just taking things apart. Mm. Okay, so what percent, what efficiency should people, because I would think that that's something that you would say, okay, don't mess with it if it's above this efficiency. Just like stick with the annual maintenance that, you know, have a technician come out there so that they're going through it. What is it when you get into the 90s? Like, does it go from 80 to 90 or does it is are there 80, 85, 87? Like, what are that those efficiency? Uh, you jump from 80 and I don't even know if they make a 90 anymore. If any manufacturer, I think they've all jumped to 95. Okay. So it goes 80, then it goes to 95. Yeah, they used to make a 92 and I don't even know if that's. EPA loud anymore, but 95 is the lowest we see here. Gotcha. So you could essentially like do these things on an 80% furnace, but other than that, well, there's some, there's some higher efficient furnaces that aren't super complicated. Okay. You know, they, I mean, they're not the, uh, cause you've got an entry level high efficient and you've got entry level low efficient and you've okay. got fancier in the lower and you've got fancier in the higher, you know what I mean? Gotcha. And so some of them aren't super complicated, but some of them, okay. some of them are. Gotcha. If you open it up and you look and you, you feel overwhelmed, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't mess with it. Um, you know what? We joke about that, but really, that's that's really what it boils down to. If you if you look at it and you're like, oh, crap, <laughs> this, this isn't what Mike showed on the video. Yeah. You know, might be a good indicator. You should call someone. Or look for a different video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. So cleaning the jets. How do, you, how do you clean them? You know, so if you pull the jets out, the burners. How do you pull them out? Are there just like those uh, quarter inch screws? So typically you're going to have to remove first the gas valve or the gas uh, manifold, right? You've got where the gas... Are we... So we talked about shutting the power off. Are we also shutting the gas off? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good idea to shut the gas off. Okay. Shutting the gas off. You've got a couple of screws that typically hold, you know, and you'll look at the pipe where it comes in. It goes into the block that's the gas valve. And then usually there's a pipe that kind of snakes down and goes across and you'll see where the where the burner where the fire comes off of where it goes into each one of these jets right they look like little trumpets like uh, when i look at them they you know they kind of have a smaller opening at one end and then they kind of flare out and they're shooting the flames into the heat exchanger yeah but but typically that's you know a couple screws on each side and that will just pull off okay and then depending on the brand depending on the efficiency whatever else you'll have other screws that need to come out and then you can either lift it out or it'll slide out or it just really depends on your individual furnace, how it's going to come out. So that's why, I mean, if you're mechanically minded, you could probably look and say, okay, this is holding this down. This mm-hmm. is holding this down. Um, how do you clean them? Like uh, soap and water? Is there a certain chemical? Do you use vinegar? Like wh- what do you do to clean them? You know what? It really depends on how nasty they are. You know what I mean? Is there anything you shouldn't do? 
like is it because like i mean can you take a toothbrush and like like go and clean on it or a, a sponge in I the kitchen probably wouldn't use gas to clean it thanks richard <laughs> he was asked what you shouldn't do i did you also should not use peanut butter <laughs> if, you, if you if you like to use toothpaste to clean your teeth don't use toothpaste to clean the jets on your I, furnace i had a really hard time not saying don't put toothpaste on the paintbrush when you were talking about that i really had to hold that back really yeah believe it or not toothpaste Paste on a paintbrush. Yeah, to clean the circuit tree stuff down with. Yeah, but like, who, don't ask. Okay, it was a mistake to bring it up. <laughs> I held it back the first time. I should have held it back the second. Is time. it another one of those stories <laughs> that we just don't want to dive into? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, no, it's not one of those stories. So we do want to dive in. Nope, it's not a story. All right. After the show, maybe. <laughs> All right. So uh, soap and water, but you're just trying to get stuff off of it yeah. like what yeah, kinds uh, of things are they going to see honestly built up? i don't typically use soap either if just it's just water if, rinse yeah, them I, rinse them out really good uh, honestly sometimes you can pull them out and use forced air blow forced air through them really well um because you're you're just trying to get the the dust the particles the little things out of there you know um when you look at a burner you don't have any here do you i don't i need to go and get some more things yeah we got to pull some out of the boneyard yeah um but when you look at them you've got the, the two different ends on this end, you've got uh, where the the gas is actually blowing through the middle around it. You've got what's called a venturi typically. looks kind of like a little honeycomb yeah. looking thing. Yeah. And the whole purpose is that's where as the gas is going through, it's drawing air through it and it's getting your air to gas mixture right so that it ignites so that it can burn right. Mm-hmm. And so those get gunked up. Um, the, the crossover channels we talked about, you know, you call it like a trumpet, you know, they're about yay big and and anyway. Sure. My, on the camera. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> For those listening, it's about that big. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not the only one that does that. <laughs> so I put my hands down here so I don't make rude gestures. Um, Why would you do that to me? No, Richard. Oh, got <laughs> it. Richard needs them every now and then. <laughs> we have a standing agreement that just every once in a while, we just, there you go. You just drive around, see him coming, you flip him <laughs> off. No. It's a, it's a gesture of love. That. You don't do that. That's not very nice. That's not the one you're talking about. I just don't think that that was very bite your very thumb kind. like uh, Romeo and Juliet. It's more of a bite my thumb at you. <laughs> so, so water. Uh, you're just trying to clear things up on those. Yeah, and and it, this is super important. Those venturi get plugged. Believe it or not, you can have a furnace that's working perfect, uh-huh. and all of a sudden you get some junk built up around that, and a furnace that was not producing carbon monoxide and is perfectly you know functioning great. It can actually produce carbon monoxide because mm. now your ratios, your air and gas and everything else is wrong, mm. right? And that doesn't mean it's going to be blown up through your house, but now it's producing. Gotcha. And all you have to do is a simple cleaning and, and that can be taken care of. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I used compressed air a lot. It gets in there clean and then really gets those. The problem with using a brush sometimes is those inside those crossovers, pull off what part of the, the hair will pull yeah. off yeah. yeah so you got to just be careful that if you do that that you're wash paying attention if, if you don't wash all the soap out and mm-hmm. you end up with some residue or something i mean it really doesn't take much to mess these up so don't use soap just water air like you know you're just and trying to get you things may, out of the way you may get from someone else that they like using soap you know but that's just me i just i'm not they're real real greasy or whatever grimy then you're gonna you have to use, use something. Soap, soap. Okay. i like to make sure that they're dry 100 percent when i put them back in yeah. gotcha Okay, uh, so we talked about that. Uh, when we talked about the flame sensor, we didn't actually talk about how to clean it. Like we talked about the different materials and things. Go back to that real quick. How do you clean the flame sensor if you're going to clean it? 
pull it out, rub it off. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you want to avoid touching the sensor itself yeah, with touch the, the oils sensor. on your fingers? Yeah, don't touch it. Be careful with it. Don't. So hold the porcelain. They're, I mean, they're typically, it's it's a wire. goes into a porcelain base. Right there. You got on the edge there. There you go. Should we hold it up? No. Just Dang explain it. what you're looking Should at. Should I show it to you? <laughs> I've seen it. I'm the one that showed you where it was. <laughs> Hey, Richard. I'm going to go to my corner. You want some gestures you need to like <laughs> throw my say. way? <laughs> yeah. Mike's yeah, going to be in the gesture group. Yeah, we're going to take it above. Anyway, just, just as, you're, as you're holding it and describing yeah, so, it, now you see it and you yeah, just so describe what you're looking at. You've got an end where uh, your wire is going to connect to. Yep. You've got a porcelain base. You've got a bracket that is actually what's going to hold it in place, which yep. is important. And then you have the steel rod that actually is what sticks out into the flame. Right. Yes. That is doing the actual sensing. Okay. Right. So how do they, what do they clean? How do they clean it? So you're going to pull this out. Typically it's the one screw. Some of these are easier than others to get yeah. to. Some of them can be kind of complicated to get back to, but it's one screw. These will typically pull out. You want to, like you were saying, you don't want to be grabbing the, the sensor part, the sensor part. But if you take it and you can typically look at them and you'll see carbon build up. I mean, it's, in fire that's where it's meant to be so it's going to have that carbon buildup on it um but like we were talking about take your emery cloth you know i'm like richard i'll use my pants off times you know i'm just gonna get that carbon if it's that bad and it's not testing i want a new system on a sensor on there i don't want to risk trying to clean it because what we get a lot i clean it every year it's a problem like let's get it replaced with a new sensor well the worst is you you go out there and you clean it and then two weeks later they're calling you back out for the same thing and it's like, you know, let's just take care of it right now. Then, mm-hmm. you've, then you've tried the emery cloth and it's just for whatever reason. Could be other issues too if your flame sensor. I mean, there's voltage so going to it. We still didn't tell them how to clean. <laughs> so you, you you take the the rod part that's coming out. You take your emery cloth or your steel wool or your pant leg or your do, your $100 bill, however you want. And you are essentially polishing. You're just, the, yeah, rub it off. I mean, yeah. you're, you're trying to get the carbon that's built up on the shaft. Off. And tip, typically, it'll have some discoloration, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think it can be easy to mistake just some discoloration for carbon. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, you're just rub it off. You look at you can look at your cloth and you'll see the carbon that's rubbed off on it, you know? Gotcha. And just because it's discolored doesn't mean it's not working properly. Correct. Yeah. I've seen some that are green and they test fantastic. So just because the visual, that doesn't mean it's not properly functioning. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, then is there, is there anything else like in there that, that the average, you know, person that is handy would, would do like, I was thinking of the operation of it and I, I couldn't really come up with, with others, but you know, is there anything if, you, can if you, if you know a little bit, I mean, and you've got a little experience with something, I mean, it might not be a terrible idea to pull out a, a blower. And just look mm. at the fan wheel, make sure that it's not got tons of buildup on it. Actually, that was one of the things I was going to say is when you when you take that when you take the covers off to at least look in at the blower and make sure there's not yeah. stuff building up on the blades. So those blowers, the blower themselves, typically the motors on the right side of the furnace. If you look on there, you'll see sometimes you'll see a lot of dust build up on there. Get your vacuum with a little brush on there and just go through and be very careful and just kind of vacuum that out. Those have little ports on there. As air goes through there, it cools the motor down. And we see a lot that those get blocked and covered, and they cause an overheat. Okay, cool. So look for dust building up on the motor itself. Yeah, just vacuum, wipe it off, grab a hand, whatever it is. But we do see burn-up motors because of that. While you're looking at it, should you also be looking to see if you see uh, 
like grease or, or liquid? Does it look like it's yeah, it uh, got like an oil a leak, oily yeah. leak coming from it? Okay, so look on the on the side where the motor is, and then look on the inside where the blower fan is, um, and and make sure you don't have things building up on the the leaves. A little trick to that because it's hard to get back in there. Sure, grab your phone and t- put it in there and take yeah, a picture that's of a it. Great one. Mm-hmm. So, okay, anything else? Okay, so after you do all those things again, go back to button everything back up, turn it on, make sure you're getting warm air again. And before you actually start messing with it, I think it's a good idea to turn it on and make sure that it, cause you don't technically, you don't have to do anything. It should, if your thermostat is set, right, it should be able to go back and forth from, you know, the air conditioning mode to the furnace mode without you having to do a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of people, some people are worried and they're like, ah, you know, cause with a furnace, there's, there's more, I think more dangerous things that could happen if it's not functioning properly than with your air conditioner. Um, but I think people get worried about that. So test it before you do all this cleaning, uh, like turn it on, run it after you do all of that stuff, turn it on, run it, and then you should be good to go. Uh, if it doesn't work again, stop and call a technician to come out and do some troubleshooting. But I mentioned this a little bit earlier, in addition to the things you do yourself, it actually says right in the owner's manual under the maintenance section, it says in addition to the maintenance you perform yourself, you should have your system inspected regularly by a properly trained technician. And so in our next HVAC episode, we're going to go into depth on uh, what those things are, why you need somebody to come and look at it. Um, and But it's a good idea to at least sometime in the season to also schedule, you know, that annual service with an HVAC company. Or if you know a technician that knows how to go through and do those things, I guess you don't have to necessarily have a technician come out and do it. But you do need to have somebody that knows what they're doing and has a checklist to go through. So that's the show. Any last words? None. None. Nope. We did it. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode of In the House. Uh, If you'd like to know more about Any Hour Services, visit anyhourservices.com. I've been your host, Mike Wilson, and you've been listening to In the House. See ya.